Hey everyone and welcome back to the Live with Rachel podcast. I'm Rachel and today we're going to be continuing our study through the book of Romans and in particular today as you can tell by the title we'll be reading Romans chapter 9 verses 1 to 13. So to recap we had just finished reading Romans chapter 8 which had some very positive statements about having a relationship with Jesus and why it matters. And we also looked at how there is no condemnation, which that word is just a word for disapproval or accusation, damnation, and so on, for those who are in Christ, meaning those who are believers. And also how as Christians, we are now free from defeat, meaning that we're no longer obligated to our old ways and how now we're actually loved and accepted into God's family. And what does that mean? What does that look like practically? And now lastly, how we're now free from discouragement and how we can tackle suffering and pain through the power of the Holy Spirit. In this new chapter, in this section, if we just remember the cultural context of this whole letter, the Apostle Paul was considered to be a traitor to his people because he was a Jew who ministered to the Gentiles. And the Gentile people were people who essentially weren't Jewish and they're often seen as pagans who didn't know God. And during this time, a lot of Jewish people took a lot of pride in their cultural and religious heritage. And they would often call the Gentiles unclean or even dogs, just in general people to be shunned. So other than ministering to these people, Paul also taught them the freedom from the law of Moses, which was the law that the Jews had. And because of this, he caused a lot of trouble. And also because of this, furthermore, the Jewish people would start to question Paul's reputation. And so in the following section, we'll be reading about how Paul's not only defending himself, but he's also defending his love for the nation of Israel and how he actually really loves them and cares about them. And He has a great desire for their overall well-being. And he also then starts defending God's character by showing them that Israel's past history actually magnified the attributes of God, because some of them were starting to feel a bit unsure. And in today's episode, we'll be covering one attribute, and the start of that is God's faithfulness. So let's get right into this section now. Once again, it's Romans chapter 9, verses 1 to 13, and I'll be reading it in the New Living Translation, and it says this. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshipping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors, and Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No, for not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. For the scriptures say, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are considered to be Abraham's children. But God had promised, I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. This son was our ancestor Isaac. When he married Rebekah, she gave birth to twins. But before they were born, before they had done anything good or bad, she received a message from God. This message shows that God chooses people according to his own purposes. He calls people, but not according to their good works or bad works. She was told, your older son will serve your younger son. 
In the words of the scriptures, I love Jacob, but I rejected Esau. So in this section, you start to see a theme of God's choosing or the word commonly used here would be God's election of Israel. And what that means is exactly what Paul said before, quote, they are the people of Israel chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law, end quote. God chose the nation of Israel to be the people through whom Jesus Christ would actually be physically born. And God first promised a savior right after Adam and Eve's fall into sin back in the very first book of the Bible, which is the book of Genesis. And Jesus is the ultimate reason why God chose the nation of Israel to be his special people in the first place. He didn't really need to have a chosen people, but he decided to go that route anyway. Jesus had to come from some nation of people, so God chose Israel. But this wasn't God's only reason. He desired Israel to go out and to teach other people about him, and so Israel was supposed to be a nation of priests, prophets, and missionaries to the whole world. And because of that, Israel was to be a distinct and set-apart nation that pointed other people towards God. But if you read the Bible, you'd learn that Israel has failed to do this a lot. And when Jesus did finally come, Israel rejected Jesus and eventually killed him. And no one knew this better than Paul, because in his early days, he actually hunted down and persecuted the church. And he's saying that just because Israel failed doesn't mean that God has failed. God is faithful no matter what people may do with his word or how they act or what they say. And that's something we all need to remember when someone who claims to be a Christian hurts us in a very, very deep way. Ultimately, they are not God and God sees their heart and he sees your heart. And you need to remind yourself that people may fail us, but God never would. And it's completely unfair to walk away from God after a person who, if you think about it, according to the Bible, is made from the dust of the ground, has hurt you. So instead, you should run to God and allow him instead to heal you. Anyway, if we go back to Romans chapter 2, verses 25 to 29, it says this, Being circumcised is worthwhile if you obey the law, but if you don't obey the law, you are no better off than people who are not circumcised. In fact, if they obey the law, they are as good as anyone who is circumcised. So everyone who obeys the law but has never been circumcised will condemn you. Even though you are circumcised and have the law, you still don't obey its teachings. Just because you live like a Jew and are circumcised doesn't make you a real Jew. To be a real Jew, you must obey the law. True circumcision is something that happens deep inside of your heart, not something done to your body. And besides, you should want praise from God and not from humans. So there's a difference between being naturally a Jew, like when they say that they mean being from the line of Abraham and being a spiritual child of Abraham. And if you're unfamiliar with who Abraham is, he is the father of the Jewish nation and you can read all about him in the book of Genesis. If you've read it, you'll know that Abraham had two sons, Ishmael through the slave woman Hagar and Isaac through his wife Sarah. And since Ishmael was the firstborn, technically he should have been chosen but it was Isaac who God chose. And then Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, had twin sons, Esau and Jacob. And Jacob was chosen by God instead of Esau, even though Esau was the firstborn. And then from Jacob, you get the 12 tribes of Israel. So the lesson here is that God doesn't choose based on the physical. So because of that, if Abraham's physical descendants has rejected God's word, it doesn't necessarily cancel out God's purposes at all. God chose Jacob before he and his brother were even born. And they hadn't even had the chance yet to do good or evil, like the Bible says. So God's choice surely wasn't based on their personality or their character or how they even acted. 
But don't get this twisted. This doesn't mean that God hates individual people. God doesn't hate sinners. So if you listening today is wondering, like, why does God hate me? Does God hate me? Why do I feel this way? Like, I just feel like God's out to get me. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that no, God doesn't hate you. There is no biblical evidence to show that God hates us because you're a human being. And what the Bible does say about that is that you have been created by God to reflect his own image. And God loves what he created. And he loves people in particular because we are the most like him. So it might feel from time to time that God hates us because he is perfect and we are definitely not. So our sin often leaves a mark on the image of God so that his goodness and likeness can't always be readily seen in us. Sin is a matter of the heart and it displays itself in so many different ways. And sin is exactly what puts distance between God and us. If God hated us because of our sin, he would have wiped Adam and Eve out immediately when they disobeyed him in the garden. But instead, he entered the world and did for people what they couldn't do for themselves. He permanently covered their sin, and he still does that. Jesus died for us so that his blood could wash away our sin. And when we believe in him and we trust in him, we are giving up our own insistence on being our own God and making the calls in our own life. And we also ask God to work in our lives and to sanctify us. And we ask him to be the Lord of our lives. So it's not passive. It's definitely active. And we can't just say with our mouths like, oh, I believe in God, because the Bible says that even demons acknowledge that God is God. But it's another thing to put that belief into action. And that's what we need to do. And once we do that, God adopts us into his family as his own children. And as his children, we have the freedom to come to him at any time. And we can come to him for forgiveness whenever we mess up. And we can just live in joyful anticipation that one day we'll get to be with him forever in heaven. So a lot of people today have a flawed understanding of who God is. And that's exactly the problem with the world today. We're absolutely drowning in so many twisted and stupid man-made ideas. When you decide to actually study and read the Bible for yourself with some help, preferably, because I know from personal experience that it's hard to just pick up a Bible and just fully understand right then and there. So I would highly recommend to get get a hold of like a biblical commentary or study a Bible uh, in a small group, have people around you talk to a pastor or something. But when you do decide to study and read the Bible for yourself, you'll see that there's so many false theologies and beliefs in the world that just aren't true of what's actually in the Bible. And some people have a lot of pride and that's what puts distance in between them and God. They're just too prideful to want to get to know him. And those people are very easy to spot and they'll often go along with whatever God says on some things, but then on other things, they'll insist on their own way of thinking and believing things. They're the kind of people who like to cherry pick Bible verses from the Bible. And whenever we lift ourselves up higher than God as judge and jury, we're actually living in pride. And whenever we pass judgment on the Bible and we say things like, oh, that's not right or this isn't right, rather than letting the Bible work in us and in our hearts and convict us, We're walking in pride. There are so many prideful people that are convinced that God's unchanging standard is proof that he hates us because they think that he doesn't want us to be happy and do whatever we want to do. But the Bible says that we may have the freedom to do anything, but that doesn't mean that we should do everything. So God does not hate anyone, but it's actually people who, by their own choices, will set themselves up against God. And because of that, they shouldn't expect God's blessing and protection. Those who willingly choose to be in direct rebellion against God's plan for their lives and God's will 
should expect to experience the consequences of their choices and actions. God's already set the way for us to be close to him. He's given us the free will to choose it. But if we reject his attempts, then in the end, he will reject us and let us suffer the consequences of our actions. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. So I can't be more clear and neither can the Bible. God loves people who mess up. He absolutely loves sinners. He just hates the sin. And those are two different things. He wants to draw people near to himself. So God choosing Israel as his chosen and set apart nation absolutely does not depend on human merit or effort and their disobedience can't wipe out his chosen purposes for them. So the main takeaway that I want you to get from this episode is exactly that. God is faithful, even though his people are not faithful. And that's where I'm going to leave it today. I really hope that this encouraged you and helped to reframe certain misconceptions in your mind. And I just really hope that it it helps. (laughs) I hope you have a really great, wonderful new year and holidays, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye, everyone.